Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapult and Commissions family, what's up team? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapult and Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. Look, we as the Catapult and Commissions family often talk about sales, sales development, sales growth, and sales leadership. Today, we're going to dive down that world of sales leadership, the challenges sales managers face, the challenges that transitioning from a high individual contributor you'll face. I got a phenomenal guest today. Let me tell you about Matt Ferguson. Matt is an expert on taking unpredictability out of sales leadership for top individual contributors who've just been promoted to management. He was in this situation over 10 years ago when he started his leadership career and went on to help making or wants to help you not make the same mistakes he did since moving into leadership. He has gone on to help his team break into accounts like Peloton, Nordstrom, Bed Bath & Beyond, and hundreds more. He believes that leadership comes down to tracking the metrics that matter the most in order to eliminate the unpredictability out of your day-to-day life, which will help you spend a majority of your time doing what matters most as a sales leader, spending time with your team. He breaks down his system into six simple steps that builds the team that you can believe in, and more importantly, if you build a team you can believe in catapult commissions family, you as the sales leader will enjoy your commissions as well. Matt Ferguson, welcome to the Catapult Commissions Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. Happy to be here. I'm glad to have you here, Matt. So let's jump into this. So uh, your bio says 11 years ago, you made the transition from sales individual contributor to sales leader. What was that process? What were you doing at the time? And, and why did you want to make that change into sales leadership? You know, I, I I got into sales to begin with, to and I always knew I would be in the leadership. Um, I've always been happier to help people other than myself. Um, but I first had to kind of prove myself. I was a golf professional that got into sales. Um, so I felt like, well, to be a leader, I have to at least show I can sell something. So the person that hired me, who's still my mentor today, he... Um, he knew that was my path, um, but he also knew I had to earn it as well. So it took me about a year and a half to be the top contributor on a team. Um, and from there, um, I got promoted into leadership. Okay. So yeah, the path of wanting to help people, I think that's something that we, we all resonate with. But as you go from sales, individual contributor to sales leader, there is this, there's this like uh, – I guess it's drinking water from a fire hose, almost like you don't know what you don't know when you make that transition. What were some of the big mistakes that you made in the beginning? Because nobody, right, and I'm going to make an assumption for you, nobody starts the sales leadership perfect, right? We only learn because we make mistakes. So talk to me, what were some of the mistakes you made as you transitioned? Um, I thought that if I could, you know, from afar, me being a top individual contributor, 
my whole thinking during the whole process into leadership was if I can just get this position, I'm going to be able to teach everybody to do the things the way I do it. And I'm going to be able to save the entire team. Um, and I actually think that was my biggest mistake because people have different skills and not everybody has the same skills that I'm good at. Just like I'm not good at what they're good at. And I tried to teach everybody the same and I failed miserably. And I would go back at night and be up at night thinking how bad of a, a manager I was thinking, boy, I almost feel like a glorified babysitter right now. Maybe I should just go back to sales, <laughs> you know, and yep. it's a lot easier that way. You know, there's like that mental challenge that you have as an, as a sales manager. It's, it's, it's like parenthood at times. You know, I, I look at it and say, I am trying to be selfless and giving you things, but at the end of the day, right? My kids don't do everything I want them to do the way I want them to do it. Your sales reps that you took over aren't going to do everything the way you want them to do. Like you're, 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 it's just, everybody has a different personality. Everybody runs the territory differently. So I think you learned that. Now, what were some of the early things you did to get better? You mentioned your mentor. Now, how was that communication like when you made that transition? Oh, no, it, it was good. But I think he kind of threw me out there to see, mm -hmm. you know, let me make my own mistakes. And I would say in the beginning, I looked at everything subjectively and I'm, I was very emotional. He was very unemotional. Um, he looked at everything objectively. I looked at everything subjectively and it took me a while to figure out that I could not continue on that way. Um, and I really had to figure out what metrics did I think matter the most and, you know, use those to really help me manage people. But it, it probably took me, you know, over a year, you know, maybe even two to, to figure that out. Yeah. So, so catapult to commission family. I want you to hear that, right? You're, you're talking to Matt Ferguson. Matt has spent 11 years, right? In sales leadership. And he's telling you his first two years, it took him to figure it out. So that means he made mistakes. He's learning. If you are a sales manager right now and you're on year three, you're on year four, and you you face some challenges, hey, we all have faced the challenges. So, you know, Catapults Commission family, I want you to hear that you're not alone in this, right? Whether it's sales leadership, you know, I, I just I read and, and I'm you know, some of you guys may or may not know, depending on who you follow for football, but Bill Belichick wasn't always the greatest coach in the NFL. Like he struggled. I mean, for crying out loud, the guy coached the Cleveland Browns, right? So Cleveland fans, yeah. I know I love you guys, but let's just, you know, you get better with time. So don't be so hard on yourself. So I like that. You you mentioned something about metrics and, 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 and identifying metrics that matter. How would you, you know, how did you decipher what is important and what isn't important? Because, you know, I look at when I made the transition from individual contributor to manager, and, I, and I've done it multiple times in different organizations before I, before I started running my own business. It is a lot of information to take at once. It just It is. There's no shortcut to it. So how did you identify the metrics that mattered? It, it take, for, for one, it takes time. So I've been with startups seven out of the last 10 years. 
And, and when I say startups, I'm talking zero revenue, <laughs> none. So you kind of have an idea of what's going to work and what's not, but you're going to, you're going to, you got to try things. Okay. And one of the issues that we had up front was, well, who are you guys? Do, do you really do what you say you're going to do? So we, we had to make guarantees that we weren't sure it was going to work, but we called on a bunch of different accounts. And I can remember probably might've been about 14 months in, we signed 31 accounts in one month. And what we realized from the data that we collected on was that's great. We signed these accounts, but we were working off of a rev share and we didn't generate, we hardly generated any revenue off of that. Right. So meanwhile, we sell 31 accounts and we think, you know, everything's going great, but guess what? None of it worked. Um, you know, so we had to pivot and adjust, but one of the things I think is so important is your ideal customer profile. And are your teams doing the right activity, not only the right activity, but to the right accounts, right? And I really looked at my main metrics for one of my startups is, do you know who to call and what companies to call? Because if you don't, you're not going to succeed. Um, so to me, those metrics are so important into who are you calling? Why are you calling? And are you calling the right people? You know, it's something to said, right? I hear you saying that, Matt, and I look at it like, man, that's second nature to me. And and, and I, 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 you know, catapulting business family, you know this. I'm not the greatest salesperson in the world. I would, I'll never say that. But what you just shared to me is like, oh man, this is common knowledge to me. Like, I, I get it. You're, you're, oh, of course. But as you said earlier, and you've alluded to, and 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 we've talked about this in the show in the in the past, not everybody does that. Like there is a true coaching component in sales leadership that you're, you're executing here. So when you talk about somebody, you're going to manage the activity to identify the right client and target, right? Like what is the client avatar and are, are you spending time with these people? How do you, I mean, so we, we roll out the metrics. How do you manage that? Is this through a weekly one-on-one? Are you doing, are you doing spot check business reviews? Are you with your guys in the field? Like how do, how do you have these conversations and how do you have these conversations when someone's not doing well? Because there's always that component when when I find that when people are doing well, it's fun. When people aren't doing well, I, I think that's where sales managers yeah. make their money. But I let, let's let's pause for a second because I want to go back to the question that you ask is why would somebody call the wrong account? Yeah, you, please let's dive that. You know what I mean? And if you dig into that. The reason is, so I can go back to one company where we called on mid to enterprise level accounts, right? Right. So we're, we're not going way up, but kind of mid, mid to high, right? But why would somebody call on a smaller account that's not going to spend any money? And I think especially in an outbound organization, you could make 100 calls or send 80 emails in a week and not one person respond to you. But in the smaller accounts, it's easy to get a hold of people. It's easy for those people to talk to you. Okay. And salespeople want to actually feel like they're doing something, mm. <laughs> you know, and those easy accounts are easier to close, but the problem is they don't really stick around. 
Now, from a sales manager side, I think your biggest value is the why into why you should call into the harder accounts because they're going to spend more money. You're going to make more money on commissions. Do you need more strategy? Is it harder? Yes. But to me, that's where your biggest value lies is here's why you call this account and not these accounts and, and show them why. But to your point, to, to your question, that's where your one-on-one coaching strategy matters is to know these things, you know, so your team believes in you into why you should do that. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you, you look at, you get in the trenches and you identify why people are doing what they're doing. Uh, you know, salespeople want to feel good. So yeah, I, I can see that being a problem, right? We go to the accounts that make us feel good. I, I, I just, it's, it, we, you know, we, we want to feel accomplished at the end of the day, but I'll tell you this catapult commissions family, Matt hits on something really good here, right? If an account is easy to convert, it's also easy to convert away from you. Like, I, I truly believe that. Like, if it's easy for you to get the deal, it's easy for someone to steal the deal. If if you've put in the work and you've you've gone through the gatekeepers, you've gone through the corporate structure, you've climbed through multiple decision makers, and you got the business, it's going to be just as hard, if not harder, for your competitor to come do it because that is a company that's not in the business switching decisions on a consistent basis. So I, I love that. Um, okay. So you, you, people would spend the wrong time because they like doing what they're doing. Um, if, how do you handle that? You know, I mean, this feels really hands-on, right? So how do you handle that when someone says, you know, Matt, I don't like micromanagement. I could run my own business. It, and, and Hey, I'm all for those people. Okay. But you're going to have one metric that matters, right? Most of the time it's closed deals or revenue, depending upon how your organization looks at things. But there's always going to be, you know, the main number that you're supposed to hit. And guess what? If you're hitting that number, I probably won't even say anything to you. But I think we both know that, let's just say you have a team of 10. How many, you know, how many of your people do you really not have to worry about and they're consistently hitting those numbers. If it's 10 for 10, then guess what? You're, you're doing a great job. Um, and that's what we all strive for. For me, you know, it's usually 10 to 20% of the people um, that are on your team. But the more that you can get into that 10 or 20%, the easier your life's going to be. You know, I, if we hit 10 for 10, you know, I don't even know if sales management would be needed. Catapult the commissions the podcast would it be needed, right? <laughs> that is the ideal dream scenario. Now, I'm not saying it can't happen because there are teams that function on all cylinders, right? You tenured managers, you have the right people. I mean, you build a team to get there. And when it happens, the job is fun, right? I just had a conversation with a colleague recently about sales management. I'm like, dude, the job is the funnest, most enjoyable when everybody's on all cylinders. Everybody is going after one mission the job is miserable when you have a turnover or you're you have a bad apple or or you've lost the contract or the morale is down so there's a lot of that so let's talk about putting the dynamics of a team together right how do you put that right team together right because ideally right we want more people 
who are successful. Like we want more winners than we want losers on the team, right? We want more people hitting quota than not hitting quota. And I shouldn't call somebody a loser for not hitting quota, so I apologize. But in 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 the in the combat of the sport, I want a winning team. So what are the things you look for when you put together a sales team? So it's it's funny you ask. I've I've been working on um something called the ATM approach. Okay. And we, and we use the acronym ATM because you think about your bank account. If you're putting good things, good investments into your bank account, you're going to watch your, your money grow. Right. If you're doing dumb, you know, if you're doing dumb things, guess what? You're going to go to the bank and not going to have any money. Um, so we use the term um, ATM approach. A is your awesome reps. Um, T is your typical reps and M is your, you know, reps that are a mess. And to me, the dynamic of a team, and I grew up playing sports, um, and I've always been fascinated with, you know, why, why are good teams good or great teams great? And why are average teams, you mentioned the Cleveland Browns earlier, they've been horrible since they've been back since 1999. I'm from Cleveland. It must start at the top. <laughs> it must start at the top because I think me and you could almost manage a football team and do what they've done for the last 20 years, you, yeah. you know? Um, but I think the biggest team, if you think about uh, two things come to mind, Chicago 90s, Chicago Bulls, who's their best player? Michael Jordan's their best player. And if you think about the Patriots through, you know, the last 20 years, Tom Brady's their quarterback. He's the hardest worker. You know, they're both the hardest worker and people follow them, right? I think putting together a team starts with, you know, your awesome reps and are they your best culture fits and are people going to are people going to follow them? Because as a sales manager, let's let's be honest, Anthony, and I don't know if you'll agree with or disagree with me, but sometimes if it's just you all the time talking about this or that, you know, you kind of fall, fall on deaf ears. And, you know, I, I kind of be looked at as dad half the time. It's like, oh, there's dad again telling us to make dials or make calls. But if your leading rep, your awesome rep is the one that's setting the examples all the time, I, I just think it makes your life easier um, and everything kind of falls into place. But curious of your thoughts on that. Oh, no. You know, I, I definitely think that there's something to be said of having like a culture warrior on your team, right? Someone who's going to to drive that. So that awesome rep you're talking about that I think I've managed teams when I've had an awesome rep and I've managed teams when I haven't had an awesome rep. And I will say this, when you have the awesome rep, the job's way more enjoyable. It's easier, right? Because people follow that person. Um yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think you have to have somebody other than yourself beating the horn because I know I, I've been on conference calls and Zoom calls and team calls where I'm the only one trying to lead lead the charge and get people motivated. You're like, dude, what in the heft is going wrong with these guys? Like, I can't get them. Versus when you jump on and you have that dialogue, you have that communication, you have that drive for success when it comes from the group. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the best, athletes you use the athlete analogy i mean i look at some of the best athletes on championship teams and what they do and you're 100 percent right they are the tom brady michael jordans kobe bryant's i mean these are the guys that are just the hardest worker they hold people to a high level of accountability for the work ethic so let me ask you this man 
there is something to be said in sales leadership about these awesome reps you're talking about. How much trust, like, do, do, do you let this happen organically or do you tell that person you're a team leader? Like, how does that, how does that development look like? I, I want to go back to something that you talked about earlier, because I think this okay. is important. When you're a top individual contributor, okay, and you are looking to get into leadership, or maybe your boss comes to you and asks, look, in, in most organizations, who gets promoted, right? The top salespeople. Is, can we agree on that? I completely agree with you. Yep. Okay. Are they being promoted into the right position? You, you know? And, and I think it starts with if you're, if you're a sales leader and let's just say you have an awesome rep, the questions that you want to ask, and I, thought, I think this starts at the interview process, is, hey, why are you in sales? Are, are you in sales to be an individual contributor that wants to make a million dollars? Or are you looking to get into management? Because it's two entirely different things, right? And I think you have to have the right characteristics to even to be to be even promoted into management. Because if all you care about is how much money you're going to make, which which by the way is fine, because I'll take those people all day long. But if that's all you care about, then you're not going to be a candidate for a good leader. And I think some people get promoted into leadership for all the wrong reasons, and they're set up to fail from the beginning because they weren't ask, hey, how are you going to feel when you have six people that are missing quota and you you need to, you know, fire four people or you need to hire six people and that's going to be your whole life and sales and chasing, chasing deals and closing deals is not going to be your main thing. You know, but I don't, I don't think companies for one give the proper, for the most part, I'm sure some do, but give the proper management or even promote the right people into management. You know, it's something to be said for that, right? Not all top sales reps become great managers. I mean, it, it is what it is. And and I know in my career as a manager, right? And, and I, I share this. I have always made more money as a top performing individual contributor than as an average or top performing manager. Like it just, it is. And you look at people who sales reps who have this history of this top performing individual and they're used to the income, you know, that there, there is a personality that, that, that fits when someone tells me, Hey, I want to move into sales management. I'm always looking at like, what's the reason why? Cause if it's mo, if it's money, then yeah, you are hundred percent correct. Like it's not, it's not enough. Like it's just not enough because as you were saying that I'm having flashbacks to times where I've had a team that was struggling and I'm like, crap, dude, I'm, I'm relying on the 10 of you to go out and drive revenue. And you guys, I mean, just are dying out there. You're negative. You're the prospects aren't saying yes. You're not, you're not closing deals where I am like, crap. I just want to be the individual contributor. Cause you know what? I know I can work my way out of this. Like I can muscle through but as a sales leader, there is no muscling through. It's a finesse game. It's putting the right people in places. So I like your perspective on that. Um, you know, well, and, if it, and, well, here and here's the thing. By the way, when you had that team, and let's mm -hmm. be honest, we've all had it. Yeah. And and this is how I felt: is what am I even supposed to do right now? 
You, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much wrong. There is so much wrong. I don't even know where to start. Um, do I, do I fire three people? Oh my God. If I do that, then I got to hire, then I got to train, then I got to onboard. How do I even know those people are going to be better than the other people? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a terrible feeling. It is, it is a lonely world. Not only is it a terrible feeling, it is a 100% lonely world because nobody empathizes with you. No one understands, unless you're a sales manager yourself, right? That having a sales manager, being a sales manager for an underperforming team, man, it it is, it, it fucking sucks. It's just, you're just like, ah, it's killing me. It's killing me on the inside. It's killing me on the outside. And you know you have to work your way through it. You have to fight through it. And, yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, you know, is there something to be said about the right profile, like the right hire? Like what what background do you look for when you say, hey, I'm going to bring you on this sales team? It depends. It, it, it depends. Do you have inbound? Do you have outbound? Like it's all, it's all different. But okay. Out, let's just start with outbound. Let's just say, hey, you're you're hiring SDRs or you're hiring somebody that has to go and hunt. To me, I like to in the interview process. I almost hardly don't even ask any questions. You know what I mean? Because I, I, the sales rep, the person that you're interviewing for, especially now with all the, with all the opportunity that there is out there, they should be interviewing you as a leader. Because I've always said. I don't really go and work for companies. I, I go and work for, Hey, I'm going to work for this person. How are they going to grow? How are they going to grow me? And I look for people that want to ask a ton of questions into, Hey, how are you going to help me? How have you, where have your people gone? You know, stuff like that. In a hunter position, one of the things that I've done that has been the most successful is it's actually a book called fanatical prospecting by Jeb Blount. And if you listen to the first half hour of that book, it basically talks about how hard outbound sales is. And I would tell people, hey, I'm going to send you this book through Audible. You can download it for free. Listen to the first half an hour. Um, If you're interested in the position, because this is what it is, let me know. And, uh, you know, we can talk about next steps. And, you know, Anthony, it's amazing what happens when you give somebody an assignment. Sometimes they and I can see who downloaded the book, who didn't. Um, And I would get no responses. I would get people that didn't download the book. Then the other time I get people that downloaded the book and wrote me quotes from the book. This is exactly what I wanted. You know what I mean? I kind of give people tests along the way to see Hey, how serious are they about this? Because if somebody's not going to go, let's just say the extra three miles, then they're probably not going to be a fit for what I want. So the answer, and this is a long-winded answer to whatever culture you're trying to create, you got to make sure that from the jump, the people know what that culture is and want to buy into it. Because if they don't, it's probably going to be an uphill battle the rest of the way. I mean that that goes to the whole concept of good to great from the, the great you know the long time one of the best selling books right first two then what and I love that concept right if you're getting that right person 
I think giving that assignment is genius. I, as you were saying that, I wish I would have done that more because I, I look at some of the best hires that I've ever hired. And to this day, still one of the best hires I've ever hired. I hired a girl with, with zero, zero sales experience. All right, just raw talent. And in that industry, I, I knew she had something special. But I told her, I'm like, you don't have any sales experience. Like you, I, the fact that I'm talking with you this time is just your pure talent. I'm talking to people that have years of sales experience applying for this same job. She replied, well, what can I do to show you that I can learn this? And I said, thinking she wasn't going to prove it, read the book, Spin Selling. I'll bring you back in for an interview. Let's talk about it. And the interview was like a week later. Like, like it wasn't like she didn't have tons of time. When she came back and pulled out her notebook of, everything in the world on spin selling and was able to articulate to me. I'm like, all right, you're committed. You did something different. You, you completed the assignment rep went on to become one of the greatest reps in that company's history. And I'm looking at him like, man, I probably should have did that more. So I think that's a great feedback there, man. I, I, I mean, catapult to commissions family. If you are that person that's hiring, right. I would take Matt's advice and give those many assignments. I didn't even realize you could do that with audible. I would have been doing that for years. And, and here's here's something else to think about, too, because to your point, people that don't have sales experience, God, they, they just they really do not know what they're getting into, you, no. you know, and I had we, we had made a decision. My boss and I had made a decision that we were not going to do that anymore. Like that, that, that was it. And a recruiter came to me and said, hey, Matt, I know. I know that you're, you're not looking, but this kid's great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, all right, I'll talk to him. Anthony, best interview I've ever had. Went to my boss, said, I know we're not taking these guys anymore, but, you know, hear me out. Just talk, talk to him. He talks to him. He's like, incredible. We, we got to hire him. I know we said we're not hiring people out of college anymore. By the way, he was, he ended up being terrible. Uh-huh. I, I, I only say this because you're going to, you need to create a system. You need to chart. You need to figure out, Hey, who's going to be my culture fit. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a hundred percent. You know what I mean? What you're looking for is if you're, if your churn rates 50%, if, if this could get it better to 65, Hey, look at it as a, as a win, but just know you put these systems in place just to increase your percentage a little bit. Um, but it's not going to work 100 percent of the time. Yeah, I think it's, I think this is really really well said there. There's hiring somebody any given time is a gamble, right? You you're it's it's just we we take the information we have and we do a calculated gamble. Every for every monster hire I've hired in my career, I can equally show you someone who was a disaster or who didn't work out the way we anticipated. <laughs> Like it just, it is what it is. Right. And it's nothing bad against the people that, that worked with me that didn't work out. And it's nothing that people who did work out are much better. It's just, sometimes it's not a right fit. I mean, I look at the jobs I've had in my life, man. And, and, you know, it was really funny. I, I spent, I was rejected getting into pharmaceutical sales three times, three times I was rejected. And all three times I was told that I wouldn't be able to efficiently communicate with physicians. Long story short, I went and worked in a medical device, completely bypassed physicians, spent 10 years speaking to nothing but physicians, and had a monstrous track record of success, right? Do those three managers that said no, did they make a mistake? Probably. Who knows? 
maybe I wasn't the right fit. I don't know. But we look at it and we say these are calculated gambles. So I like where you're going with this, Matt Ferguson. Question, last question here before we wrap up and let the Catapulting Commission's family know how to find you. Let's just say, fun fact, tomorrow you call, you get a new company, you're like, hey, you're going to take over a new team tomorrow. You are the new manager in place. What would be the top three priorities you would execute in your first month? One, I need to figure out, do I have the right team? Like you, you brought up, you brought up good to great earlier. And I a hundred percent agree. I'm actually going through the book right now again. And they stress, do you have the right people on the bus? And are those people in the right positions? So the first thing I got to do is I got to, I got to stack rank my team. Who, who are my awesome reps? Who are my typical reps and who are my reps that I that are a mess? Right. Because there's nothing harder than coming into a new situation where nobody knows who you are. And you know what I mean? Like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> right. So I got to first figure out, do, do I have the right people? Second, I got to figure out what, what's what's the culture that I have to um, what's the culture that I want to bring? You know, is it outbound? Is it inbound? What kind of what kind of people that I need? And then third is what are the metrics that matter? Because I think that is probably the biggest thing after who are the right people in the right seats. And one of the things that I think happens in sales is it's kind of a losing. I I want to figure out how to say this right, but it's easy for there to be a losing culture because I've been in situations where your close rates 10 to 12.5%. So think about that. For every hundred people that you talk to, you're going to sell 10. So that means you're failing 90% of the time. Hmm. You know, so how do you, if, if, if thing, if negative things, I mean, I think we can both agree that if people are saying no to you 90 out of a hundred times, it's easy to get negative. Mm-hmm. But what are the key metrics that lead to that? You see what I mean? So if I need to get a hundred people to get 10 people to say yes, or I need to get 10 to, for one to say yes, what's my math to get to that number? And how do I create a winning culture every day by saying, oh, you know what, who cares? They said, no, that means I'm one closer to the yes. How do you get that to be the culture instead of 90, instead of, you know, 90 to get one? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, a, I mean, those are good metrics to come out. Those are, you know, first who, then what, right? And then you want to identify what are those leading and lagging, like, what are those indicators, that metrics that are telling you why? And yeah, dude, nine out of 10 times being told no is negative for anybody. It's just... But but then think about what happens if if that's all that you're looking at. That means, guess what? People are going to complain about their accounts. People are going to complain about this. And then everybody starts complaining about everything. And the next thing you know, we're in that situation where nothing's going right. Everything's negative. And we just want to go back to being an individual contributor. When you have a system and metrics around how do I rank my team? How do I hire? How do I onboard? How do I coach? Which accounts do I go after? And everything's organized and everything's objective. 
it makes your life easier because you know where to spend your time. If you have mess reps, you know they're on their way out anyway. Don't spend all your time trying to save them. It's not a good fit. Um, but the more that you organize, and this is the thing I wish I knew those first two years, the more that you organize and have everything objective, it just makes your life easier. I agree. I completely agree. Capital Health Commissions family, if that's you, get organized, find the right people, identify the metrics because it is being in sales management and sales leadership, right? It is not for everyone. And if you've taken a shot at it and it didn't work out for you, that is okay. And if you believe you want to get into sales management because you think you're going to make way more money than an individual contributor, I would challenge you to guess again because I know some individual contributors that have crushed their income over their sales managers. So make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Matt, how does the Catapulty Commission's family learn more about you? How do they get connected with you? How does that all that good stuff work? Uh, go to Matt Ferguson on LinkedIn. And then I'm about one to two weeks from launching my website. My website is mattdferguson.com. Catapulty Commission's family, we will have those links in the show notes. MattDFerguson.com, Matt Ferguson on LinkedIn.com. You can connect with him. He'll be connected to me on LinkedIn. Uh, Catapulty Commission's family, thanks again. You know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, and I will see you next week. Catapulting Commission's family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commission's podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commission's, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.